0: Karen, you are speaking to me across the airwaves all the way from Portugal. Was I from Portugal on our last episode? I don't think so. I was on no. the Patreon. And let's let's just make something clear for the listeners. People are going to say, "Well, how do you record when she's in Portugal? <laughs> how does this happen? how How is that? How are you possibly going to keep your podcast going? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Um, well, the jig's up, baby. We never record in person. We are always recording remotely. And actually, whether I'm in Puerto Rico or Portugal, it's been fairly seamless. Yeah, truly, it has been seamless. They do have Wi Fi there. They do. I just basically, but Chandler's the one with the tough schedule actually. So the question should be, how do you record when Chandler has a full-time job and like so much on her plate? That's the real question. Yeah, thank you so much for acknowledging that there's so much on my plate. If that, those words were so validating to hear, if you could please wax poetic about how much I have going on and everything I'm juggling, that would be really good for me. Well, I'm going to bring back to myself and say that the answer is that I just still work around on their schedule no matter right. where I am on the globe. she's still my full-time emotional manager. It's true in addition to, be, to running this podcast mm-hmm. um, in addition to running her other business, it's amazing. you did you put emotional manager on your LinkedIn? It's actually in my bio yeah okay, it says good. it says Chancuterie's emotional manager and mm-hmm. CEO no mm-hmm. I did that I, I think it says co-founder Chief emotional I, I manager. It. Officer, oh there we officer? go. CEO? There we go. Wow. There we go. Did I just coin something? Potentially your first coined phrase ever. Congratulations. <laughs> Potentially, wow. Thank you. Um, Chan, how's it going? I don't even care about anything I'm about to say. I want to hear about Portugal. I've I've been trying to ask you about it. In fact, you've oh, sent yeah. me some some passive aggressive text about how we don't talk anymore. But really, it's just that you've been in Portugal and you've been saving telling me all about it until the That's podcast. True. So I, that yeah. was not fair. Well, you were – anyway, Chandler's very busy, you guys, and she's semi-impossible to get a hold of um, and always has to go. Whenever we're on the phone, she always has to go. <laughs> but anyway, it's okay. That's just the reality. She's a busy gal. I'm going to write but, um, a book on playing hard to get with my own family and what it's uh, done for me. It's it's working. Let me tell you. Like th- – Honestly, when I can hear your voice falter, I just know – and I know when you're about to say you have to go. I just know. It's like seven minutes and 30 seconds into a call. If, like, we have even one sentence that lulls and that is, like, just doesn't completely go to the next topic, it's like, oh, well, okay, sis, um, I actually have to run. Anyway. I'm sorry. Uh, can we just talk about Portugal, though? Yeah. Well, can I tell you about my journey getting yes. here? Yes. Yes, please. Okay. So – Chandler and I talked about it on the Patreon, but Kagan and I got some business class tickets at a hell of a deal um, to come to Portugal. So I was extremely excited because I personally am only used to transatlantic flights that are just utterly hellish hell. experiences. Yeah. yeah, the type like, of flights where you're like, I'll never fly again. Yes, your body feels like it's breaking. You feel you check the clock every twenty minutes, like it's just a horrendous human mm-hmm. experience. I mean, especially since I never even flew with any sort of Xanax or medication and to get through it ever um, until like a uh, two years ago until your addiction mo- began. <laughs> kagan introduced the the power of flying with a tiny bit of xanax on our flight home from china um in 2018 and that was life-changing for sure yeah so xanax is poor man's business class and then um if you can <laughs> if you can get into bay's class it was our it was my my first time who knows if i'll ever fly again so of course i need to regale our listeners with this luxurious experience and if you're the type of person that's like Bitch, I fly private. I cannot believe you're even going to wax poetic about this or you fly business class all the time. Let's be friends because I want to get on your level. Okay. But for our listeners who are used to the Econo 33F, yeah. I just have to regale you with this experience because it's probably the first and last I'll ever have. So Kagan and I scored a massive deal on these flights. Um, and it was through a website called wholesale-flights.com. And you basically can just like get business class seats at a much lower price um, than they usually sell them for. So anyway, we got a good deal and um, I was very excited about this. Kagan loves upgrades and luxury experiences he mm-hmm. also likes getting a deal and mm-hmm. i really enjoy being the person who both gets the deal and watches him enjoy the experience what is it's the like, deal like is it like 10 percent off like is it a true deal these flights were i mean since we're just like gross americans that I'm, that's what i'm learning i'm while i'm in europe is what a gross american i am but since we're gross americans let's just chat money for a second let's talk um, numbers Let's talk some good old-fashioned cash. So these flights were originally 6000 each, and we got them for $1,500 each. What? And I know, pretty phenomenal. That's crazy. And that's just I one mean, way. So it's like three okay. grand round trip if we end yeah. up doing a round trip. But it's still – it's. I mean, it's still pretty phenomenal. Yeah, you're not getting a $750 round trip flight that's not in the cards, Um but it's still not a $12,000 round trip right, flight yeah. as it is if you I mean, tried to book otherwise. If you're, you're going to pay for luxury and if you're a person who's going to feel it at all, this is the way to do it. It's absolutely correct. This is the way to do it. So first of all, we get up to the gate or not to the gate to the ticket counter when we first get to the airport and the lady is just like a total bitch. I'm sorry, but she is just so rude to us. She's just aggressive. Like what? And what airport like, are you at? We're at LAX. Um, what was she saying? She was just like, there was some issue about, um, what was it? Oh, we we didn't have like, Portugal has some pass that you need to sign up for before you get there. That's like traveler information pass. So they basically know who you are. Uh-huh. And she needs a QR. She said I needed the QR code.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: she, was, she was kind of like scolded us for not having those, you know, on the ready. Um, and so she was just like kind of curt and rude. Additionally, okay. this was so funny. We get to the airport and like it's packed. There's so many people online. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this would be incredible. We're just going to flitter up to the, you know, the business yeah, class, first great. class, you know, line. But then we go to the Air France section and there's just no, like there's no one there. So there was like no, uh, no, there was no benefit to, to flying business. There's no dedicated line. Well, there was, but both lines were empty. So. Oh, that's funny. It wasn't like because, it, was, it was actually one of those times where I'm like, damn it, I wish more people were in line. So I could just, you know. Float on luxury. by. Exactly. So anyway, um, anyway, she's just kind of curt. And it was so funny. Kagan was like, if I was paying $6,000 for these seats, I would have been furious. <laughs> and I was like, well, you're not. So relax. <gasps> um, so, and then we get to security and security moves at a snail's pace. And you don't, don't have to recheck. No, we don't have pre check. I need to get global entry on our way home. You guys both need to get pre check. It is honestly, I will. Yeah, I'll talk about it after this. Yeah. No, we. Yeah, we're we're planning on getting it, but we don't have it right now. Um. So anyway, it's just an utter nightmare. Like security is a big nightmare. It's also made more of a nightmare because I brought uh, I brought ankle weights with me, um, which For I guess what just look good like reasons. <laughs> what good reason, Lauren? Like you have a history of bringing. Op- items on transatlantic flights that do not need to be there like a juicer lest we forget why the hell did you bring ankle weights Wait, <laughs> because this is my justification i need to work out while i'm here we're here for six weeks to two months potentially and my wedding is in february i need to be like fit and t- toned and tight at my wedding and if i lose two months of working out in between now and february i feel like i will lose some ground and there's no so, possible way to buy weights in portugal nobody works out in portugal i should have also, I should have just brought bands. Like, why couldn't I just bring right, exercise like bands? bands? Why did I yeah. why did I have You're to bring the weights? I also brought a twelve pound dumbbell. No. In my, in my, no. You literally just ate up twelve pounds of cute clothes space to bring one d- dumbbell. Like because as if Portugal doesn't have like any sort of like exercise culture or like workout retail stores. Well the hilarious thing is it's a full gym in <sighs> a <and> hotel. <laughs> yeah, I like, know. I, I wanted I feel like I should have spoken to you before you left. I know. I'm an idiot in this so many money. ways. Also, if I had been pl- more available, I would have talked you out of this. That's true. Uh, I do blame you. My for I will say, though, that um, you got up to 70 pounds in business. So it wasn't a problem. Um, I brought everything okay. I needed. And my plan was to just dump the weights in Portugal or wherever right. I'm going to be. So basically, yeah. it, end up leaving them in Europe, not bring them back. But long story short... Um, long story short the people at security were very suspicious of my ankle weights when laid out flat just look like little little missiles or little i don't know they just look strange um so they were like you know they were uh inspecting them
1: anyway i need to get
0: through this faster all right you guys I wanted to take a break from the episode because I want to talk with you about something really serious. This is a public service announcement. If you haven't already, you really need to try Spade and Sparrows. Okay, this is not a PSA, but it should be. Let's talk about Spade and Sparrows, my fave sponsor. I love Spade and Sparrows because not only is it the most delicious wine brand, but additionally... Their bottles are stunning, okay? You go to a party and you bring a bottle of spade and sparrows as your hostess gift. Suddenly, your hostess will think that you're rich, will think that you have incredible taste in wine, and just be overall very impressed okay? It's the perfect wine for sitting with your girlfriends, chatting, having a delicious rosé or pinot grigio, and sipping the night away. Spade and Sparrows currently offers four varietals, a pinot noir, a cab sauve, a pinot grigio, and a rosé. This is a wine made of by women, for women, and they just nailed it. They got the job done, okay? Spade and Sparrows is available in select liquor stores across Canada as well as select Walmarts in California. It's also available online at spadeandsparrows.com. Enter code POP15 at checkout to receive 15% off your first purchase. So it was a lackluster journey to the gate. But once we were on board, Chandler it was like we had stepped into a different world. Really? Okay. So you get first get on and the most immediate difference is, I mean, not everyone knows what the seats look like. So I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to get that specific, but um, it's just how nice the flight attendants are to you. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so used to just like surly, exhausted flight attendants. Like, Basically throwing me death glares if I right. dare ask for anything beyond like my measly bag of pretzels. Right. Business class is an entirely different experience. I don't even I don't know if these are like if they have specific flight attendance for business, if these are if this is like a different echelon of attendance, or if they just like you know, these people, I don't know where they came from, but they are like flight attendants from heaven. They're so happy and like happy to help you. And like, they want you to have the the best experience. And they're just like laughing and chatting. And it's just like all, it's just a pleasant atmosphere. Wait, what's the difference between business and first? So first, most airlines are getting rid of first and just having more business class seats because most people fly business. There really isn't a huge difference. Okay. Like both- okay. Both have laydown seats. Like first class has like bigger TV screens, um, but it's really okay. – and that's why actually I watch this whole YouTube about it, but that's why a lot of airlines are getting rid of the first class cabin and just putting in more business seats because most of the time they fly, the first class cabin, it's just – it's never even bought. They just give people free upgrades because most people yeah. just buy it for the lay down seat and that's it. Right, right. Okay. And, or they, they just want the lay down seat and so they just choose business because the difference in price is so crazy. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. And Thank anyway, um, these flight attendants, they're decorous, they're kind, they're chipper, and they took pleasure and pride in making this experience wonderful. I also think they took a specific liking to me because I was not playing it cool whatsoever. Like first they come out, you get in your seat, they, you know, bring you a pillow, a blanket, your menu for the, for food. And then they, um, and then they come out with a tray of champagne and orange juice in glass flutes. Wow. Which was just wonderful. Wonderful. Of course, I take both, which I don't think you're supposed to. I think you're just supposed to pick orange juice One or, or champagne. No, no, no. You take both. Yeah, so I take both, and I'm like, "Hell yeah! Cheers to the flight attendant!" <laughs> I was like a four year old at Disneyland, like for the first time, just I wide eyes, joy at every detail, lapping it up. What's Kagan doing at this point? Is he playing it cool, or is he demanding better oh, yeah. service? No, no, he's playing it totally cool. Like he, like this is just the way he rolls. Right, right. And he he does say funny things now. He's like, "I just don't think I can ever go back," and I'm like. You probably can once it's six thousand (laughs) dollars, right? Um, So, anyway, for the meals, they pull out your they pull out like this tray, and then they put like a white tablecloth over it, and all the dishes and the silverware. It's all porcelain; like the dishes are porcelain, the silverware is actually silverware, and nothing's disposable. I know, and I I think think the the food food good. Well, I'll get to that. Okay. But I think the flight attendants literally thought like this was my first experience with cutlery. Like I was like m- I was like marveling at the silverware, That's and they're amazing. like, "This woman has never seen a fork before. That's She's incredible. been eating with her hands for thirty one years." <laughs> anyway, um, and the food is it's better obviously than economy, but the warm food it's very basically like it's it's barely better microwave food. Right, however. Right. There is fresh be- bread and uh, butter with salt, mm-hmm. and the be- bread is fresh and delicious. Mm-hmm. There's champagne. There are good desserts. Yeah. Okay. And, and so I would say that overall, like, you have enough to be, de- you know, to have a full belly and feel delighted. Okay. Okay, good. I mean, especially since the best parts of a meal for me is the cocktail and the bread and butter anyway. Right. Are, are there great snacks like can you ask for just like you know I always ask for two bags of whatever I'm eating because like I just you know I'm the bags that they give you in, in coach are just not big enough to satiate a you know an adult person so Correct. I just say oh I'll take two bags of Cheez-Its thank you and I just say that from the get-go can you ask for like eight um you you can ask for whatever you want and on the menu under like everything it's like do so they like baby give you this big menu it's like beautiful. And it's like Michel- This mm-hmm. The menu was designed by this Michelin star restaurant. And underneath every like section, snacks, food, whatever, it's like, please do not hesitate to ask for like as much as you'd like essentially. Oh my gosh. I amazing. know. It's like a buffet. It's amazing. In the sky. Yeah, it's it's fabulous. And they're they're walking through the entire time with the like wine and champagne. So they're constantly refilling. You never have to ask. And mm-hmm. um, I definitely – like, I think that me on business class is basically, like, this scene out of the Book of Mormon cartoon that's, like, poor wine. Right. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm just, like, I'm getting buzzed. I'm getting cozy. I'm just, like, sloshing everywhere. Like, I'm just, like, loving my experience, grinning ear to ear. Um. Anyway, I – I will say that I ate I drank, I smiled brightly at the flight attendants mm-hmm. each time they passed me they basically patted me on the head um, each time they passed me figuratively with their with their eyes mm-hmm. um, And then after dinner I I kid you not, I went to sleep and I woke up and we had an hour left till Paris and it was you know they're serving breakfast. Wow. And it, I got off the flight, and it was like the flight was really like a three hour flight, like right, yeah. a dinner experience, a sleeping experience. And did you sleep okay, like in the seat? Mhm. Slept totally fine. Wow. Um, it was just, it was, it was, it was truly special. It's probably my mm. last time ever, but it was truly special. I'm so glad that you were able to have that experience, and you know, to lose your figurative business class virginity, um, in that way. I'm glad your first time was really special. Well, it, I mean, I I guess this is the part where I'm gonna um, flex a little. It wasn't my first time in business. It was my first time in business transatlantic. Yeah, which and you different. know, which is huge. You know, which is huge. Yeah, the business yeah. flight to Puerto Rico is 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 nice, and there are the laydown seats, but it's not the Air France LAX. No, a flying transatlantic is a completely different experience than just like yeah. you know being upgraded for two and a half hours. Yeah. Well, to to. It's oh she's still to, flexing she's it's still it's five flexing. hours to puerto rico <laughs> still and it's, it's definitely a bet- much better experience but yes this was different oh okay. my gosh i'm so, the worst kind of person well you know it's okay i'm happy for you i um don't see that anytime soon in my future because i have I no mean, status really, on... though i mean i just like D- i mean maybe if i fly like to europe but like I, there's no way i'm gonna be flying business class just you know from Orange County to San Francisco or from Orange County to New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I don't I have actually- status. I want status on one of my – on, like, Delta, but I'm, I'm a ways away. I don't think it's worth it unless there's the lay flat seats, you know? And mm-hmm. it's, like, a an hour where you'd want to sleep. Like, right. for me, I, I think where – business and on domestic situation is clutch is when it's like a five-hour flight and they have the lay flat and it's a red eye because then you can kind of like really maximize that. I don't like being awake on flights. I prefer to take flights where I'm asleep for the majority of the time. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway. Jokes on you, everyone in business class during waking hours. Jokes yeah. On, you. on domestic flights. So so, so so nouveau riche. So dumb. Seriously. Um, Anyway, so that was that was really fun. And then Portugal itself, it's just – I didn't know this, but I'm – so I'm in Lisbon, so I can really only speak to Lisbon. Mm-hmm. But Lisbon is the oldest city in Europe. Wow. Um, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And it's very warm here. And it actually reminds me a lot of like Laguna Beach. Okay. Uh, like in terms of the weather, just like very mm-hmm. warm August but yeah. cool nights. Yeah. Um, so definitely cooler evenings than Puerto Rico. But it's just amazing. It's just fabulous. Like, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say all the things that everyone knows. And I feel so cliche saying. But like the food is just better everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's so cheap. Mm -hmm. It's so fresh. Everything – like you can walk outside and walk, you know, a block. And there are three very cute cafes you can go to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just beautiful. Like people dress with a greater sense of style. I feel like the guys here are more stylish. The women are so like, the, the women are so stylish at every age, and they're also mm-hmm. so much more natural looking. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I've seen an ounce of filler since stepping on European shores. Wow. Well, um, not there's anything wrong with that, but it's just interesting. Like, I was talking with one of the girls that I'm traveling with, and mm-hmm. there is such a distinctness to the European style and sensibility. Um, In what way have you noticed? Honestly, there's like an – ease in their bodies mm-hmm. like i feel like if i'm at an american beach like there's a lot of moon happening there's a lot of sarongs yeah. there's a lot of like um covering I up there's a lot of covering up like the people here like it doesn't matter if they're 75 what size they are what age they are there's just like i don't know i wouldn't don't even want to characterize that as a shamelessness there's just a ease in their bodies that's really beautiful and just like it's very inspiring i love that I think that's absolutely wonderful. I mean, I feel like when I was in France, I felt a similar way. Like it was just like, and and like it's like older women in bikinis, exactly in bikinis no. with no cute one is little bucket hats to dress for their age at all. Lots of gray hair, mm-hmm. like lots of gray hair, and like older, like fit ish bodies that are kind of just like very, just very at ease in their own skin. That's really that's like great. what it comes down to. Whether whether they are fit or not, like and what's cool is like. Not not what's cool, but it's just funny. Like, like everyone smokes. I don't smoke personally, but Mm -hmm. literally everyone here smokes, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and there's yeah, there's just like a it's just a different lifestyle. A je ne sais quoi. Um, there's a girl that's from here that I met, and she was Mm -hmm. talking about she really wants to move to LA. And I was like, oh, I was like, I don't know, like LA, it's pretty rough. Like compared to like the lifestyle here. I was like, it's really hard to get around, tons of traffic. But I was just like, you should definitely visit first before you make a yeah. lunch. Yeah. And she was like, she's like, yes, the quality of life is is good. It is is good here, but you know, and there's no oat milk in the cafes here, and that's very important to me. And that is actually like a, a a big thing for like the quality of life for me is like having like the vegan cafes and like the having the oat milk in the coffee shops. And I was just like, yo you. Do no clue. Enjoy paying. <laughs> enjoy paying seven eighty five for an iced coffee with oat milk. Enjoy it, dog. Well, the worst part too, or the the thing about here is the apartments like are very inexpensive. Like and Lisbon is a very inexpensive city to live in if you can work remotely and have like a, a foreign wage. Oh, really? Like, the wages are low here, so it's it's expensive if you're from here. But if you can just move here. Uh, and work remote like yeah you can get an apartment in the center of town for like 150 grand or 200 grand wow wow, which it translates to like a thousand bucks a month in a month like a mortgage how are the how are the beaches or maybe like 1500 i don't know um the beaches i actually haven't oh wait that's not true we went to one beach it was it was really darling you know it's like this cat there's like a castle basically on the beach and there's like this little seaside town went to a a town called ugh, people are going to roll their eyes when i say when i don't pronounce it correctly but i think it's called kashkai okay and it's this really cute little little seaside town um so the beaches are good the water is cold mm-hmm. um you know it's definitely it's, it's it feels a lot like the pacific okay okay ocean so okay wow so yeah what an experience I know. So anyway, I, we probably will only be here for a couple more days though, so. And then where do you go after this? That's the big question. I would like to go to Paris mm-hmm. for the weekend. We're moving to Porto on the middle of next week. So turning Porto? Italy? Italy? And then. No, it's actually, it's another town in Portugal. Portugal. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're yeah. just moving like locations. You're going to be in Portugal for this whole month um we'll probably be in porto until the 22nd and then probably greece thereafter okay and that's my birthday so i just want you to mark that day as a special day the day you're going to be celebrating me across the seas oh trust me i have been prepping for your birthday that's all i have to say Oh, I'm been prepping for your birthday, trying to figure out what you're, what we're gonna do for you. So nothing's been decided on, and nothing's been purchased. So what you know and your group of friends? Oh, I don't, I don't want anything. I would like to. Uh, the birthday anxiety is already set in mm. for me, mm-hmm. um, because it's like it's my birthday, then it's Ben's birthday the following weekend, and I'm like, okay, I don't want to like do too much, and then have us just feel exhausted by the thought of then celebrating again the following weekend. So, uh, you know, it's also – it's not a milestone birthday by any, cha- by any means. Um, I would like to, you know, just fully go off the grid. But since we've been traveling so much, I don't really want to, like, leave again. So, anyways, I don't really know what I'm going to do. But it'll be fine no matter what. Ugh, I'm really sorry. It sounds like this is going to be a really bad day for, <laughs> for you. <laughs> I'm just I saying you should plan something. Plan something, I am. I- I'm going to – I'm going to do – I have plans. I have, like, four different things I want to do. Some of them are solo. I'll actually just regale you with it right now. How about that? Okay. Um, I would like to go get my aura photo taken. I took an aura photo with Ben. Have you seen those aura photos of me before? No. I recently got one with Ben when we I first moved here, and it's actually really sweet. And I, like, have it. It's, like, this beautiful little photo of us, and there's, like, all the, these beautiful colors, and they actually represent – like, usually my colors are, like, red and orange and purple, um, and I, like, I forget what those symbolize, but I think they're more, like, creativity and, like, you know, uh, passion and stuff like that, and they're very, like, career-based. Are you about to say something rude? Um, this is all bullshit. This is all Yeah, it all is, bullshit. but it, no, I – maybe it is, but I like it. I like this bullshit. Okay. I invite this bullshit with open arms into my life, so I've gotten those before solo. And then when I took my photo with Ben, the colors were like blue and green, and it was like about like harmony and peace and like healing, which I think is kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, it's a, like a photo of us together. It's it's really lovely. I'll you'll see it in the teasers. Um, anyways, Can't I'm gonna wait. go get I'm gonna go get one of those solo of me taken um, on my birthday. So I want to like do that by myself. How do they capture your aura? You put your hands like on – it's like a heat sensor thing and then it like, you know, some voodoo happens and like they – it translates into some unique color algorithm, blah, blah, what blah, blah should, there should be, there's got to be like an aura filter on Instagram. You can just bypass this whole process. Yeah, but I like I like how they're always different and I have a friend who always gets like red. I'm actually just going to send you the one of Ben and I right now just because I want you to have it for yourself. Oh, yeah um, a new screensaver you're gonna want to hang on to it because it's really special and lovely. for sure totally i'm gonna see that if there's sense. a aaron's brothers that mm-hmm. i can frame it in lisbon absolutely okay so i want to get that taken i mean, just like you know i want to mark the day with my particular aura on that day then um i think i'm going to do like a little a little tiny like lunch park situation with my friends Mm-hmm. then i think i'm gonna go to hudson yards which is like our like gym rooftop pool situation and like lay out there and like have a nice time um and then i'm going to go to dinner with ben so it's very chill maybe i'll get my like you know are you gonna have a massage or with something. you at dinner or no just, just a romantic dinner I think it's just gonna be the two of, of a us couple. just you know a dinner with the two of us Okay, well, I think that that sounds like a good day. I think there's like a there's a fifty percent chance that day will be fun for you. Thank you. Um, Thank you for thinking <laughs> of me. Well, I'm going to do something with friends earlier in the day. I think it's just like hard. I don't know. We could but, do. Is it a weekday? It's on a Sunday. You should make this whole day a friend day, unless you really want romantic time. You should try to keep as many well, people. Why <laughs> to keep me from falling apart? Yeah, to keep you from emotionally breaking down and freaking out. <laughs> I mean, I hope I'm not that emotionally fragile that day, but we'll see. see I a mean, I, I also, also feel nothing's like things off the table in terms of, you know, psych- friends psychotic also just like I don't know. Maybe I can invite more friends to dinner once a husband yards. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I think you should do f- a certain group of friends for lunch. I think you should do the aura photo if that makes you happy in the morning, a certain groups of friends for lunch, then do Hudson Yards plus a cocktail together, alone. Mm-hmm. That way you have that romantic moment. Okay. Um, and then do dinner with friends. I think you want the dinner to be boisterous and fun. And I think okay. just the two of you, it's a lot of pressure on him to make it like an amazing right. birthday dinner. That's true. That's true. Okay. I just need to figure out where to go. But yeah. Okay. That's I like those notes. Thank you for those notes. You're welcome. Okay. Anyways, so that's my birthday plan as of yet. I'll keep you posted on the meltdowns. Okay. Yes, please do. Please do. Okay, Chan. So I need to talk to you about something. I'm okay. very, something very, okay? in- <laughs> I am very, very, very – I mean, you tell me after I tell you what I want to do, but I want to start a new segment on the podcast. I'm not sure if it will be weekly or monthly. Okay. Um, but I want it to be about the current book I'm reading.
1: Okay. Um,
0: yeah. And w- what would you think we could call that segment? oh my gosh (laughs) oh i dare say if it's not already taken by another podcaster what lauren's reading (laughs) this is a joke because this used to be my instagram handle for like three years when i was like 20 was i would just post it was pretty odious i would just post pictures of books Yeah, and all I posted were pictures of, like, quotes from books. Anyway, pretty pretentious, pretty annoying. The most annoying social media person that ever has existed. (laughs) Was me. Or could ever exist. Until 26 was me. Yeah, for sure. I'm sorry. If you're posting, like, snapshots of a book, I don't think people are reading it, and I don't think people want to see that on social media. Unless you never, ever, ever post it. And, like, this is, like, means a lot coming from you. But I think if you... If all you're doing is posting snapshots of a book, I don't think people are reading or caring. Is that rude to say? I'm not trying to be rude. No, it's not rude to say. It's just reality. And unfortunately, I was completely dis—I was completely um, not in tune with reality for a long time
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, when it came to all things Instagram. And yeah. so, anyway, I I used to be at what Lauren's reading, which many people like to make fun of me for, and as they should. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's bring a little. A little bit back though, let's bring that back to today, to 2021, what Lauren's reading because sometimes I am reading stuff and I want to share on the pod because it is genuinely interesting. Yeah. And what I'm also going to say is that it does fall under the umbrella of pop culture because pop culture isn't just celebrity culture. It's popular culture. It's things going on in popular culture and books are part of, you know, media at large. And might I add, I also am a voracious reader. Um, I haven't made up my personality, like some people yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> Not anymore. But yes, I was going to yes, say that. But yeah. But yeah, I also love to read, so I would love to take part in this segment with you. Okay, excellent. Well, I'm currently reading a book called T, The Story of Testosterone, The Hormone That Dominates and Divides Us. Hmm. Um, a recent – it's a new book. It came out. It's by Carol Hooven. She's the okay. co-director of Undergraduate Studies at the Department of Human Evolutionary Biology at a college known as Harvard University. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, ever heard of it? No. She has a PhD in biological anthropology from the same place from Harvard and okay. lectures there about hormones and behavior. Right. Okay So this is a credentialed woman, okay? This yeah. is not yeah. just this person knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Um okay. as much as one could, I guess, you know. Well, Our own research on testosterone, okay? <laughs> Don't listen listen to the scientists. (laughs) Trust, but verify. Right. So the book dives into the differences between men and women and which of those Mm -hmm. differences is potentially caused by the hormone testosterone. And a bit of a disclaimer before I fully dive into this, but when when we talk about sex differences, we're talking about in general, like the people who fall in the middle of the bell curve, the average person. Man and woman, like, of course, we understand that there are men and women who fall on opposite ends of the bell curve, and they're yes. you know the extremes. Yeah, there's men who do not exhibit you know classical male features, who you know exhibit more feminine characteristics. Mm-hmm, I say mm-hmm. that with air quotes. And the same thing for girls who are you know way more just like. If you, and she makes this exact comparison. If you think of it in terms of height, there are women who are six three, and there are men who are five feet tall. But most people fall in the middle and are neither. And when Mm -hmm. we're talking about sex differences, we're really talking about those averages, which are, you know, noted for the majority of people. Right, Um, right. Yeah. Great disclaimer. Anyway. Um, So one of the interesting things about sex differences and, you know, when we're talking about these averages is that they're noted noted cross-culturally. So regardless of what content you are – content. Regardless of what – Yes. Well, of what, king. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Regardless of what continent you're on, so this is interesting, 95% of homicides and violent crimes are committed by men. I'm sorry. That was a sharp left turn. I had no idea. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were kind of like, I don't know, maybe, you know, we're going to wade in a little bit more. I was not expecting the word homicide.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> so, I should have said that these differences are widely documented among <laughs> Among culture, among every culture. So regardless of how disparate the culture is, okay. you know, whether you're in Sydney or North Korea, the same- Men are still going to kill you. Men are still going to kill you every time and disappoint you every time, <laughs> like our dad says. Men will Which kill is very, you every time. Yeah. Which is interesting because like, because obviously environments vary so much. Yeah. Um, but there's a consistent pattern of behavior across both sexes in okay. childhood and adulthood. And- and that really shows that, you know, this is – a lot of those behaviors are biological. They're not totally. nature, They're nature.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a small note on this, though, and this is something I, sh- I find extremely interesting. She says – she talks about in the book about, like, this doesn't give men a free pass to just commit violent acts of crime and say that it's, you know, their nature. It's predestination. It's just what they were going to do. Yeah. Because – in cultures and societies where violent crimes are powerfully disincentivized with extreme laws and mm-hmm. punishments, violent crime is very rare. So, like in Singapore, they will literally cane you for like the smallest like offense. Yeah, and and so she talks about how like in the places like that, violent crime dramatically plummets. So we You're can control stricter laws. You're calling for caning. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's ex- that's exactly what I'm doing. I am I'm just going like, to enjoy, and <laughs> I have no idea where you're going with this. I really was like going. Th- I thought we were going to maybe talk about relationships or something, but then it's just like I'm- we quickly went into homicide, and like now we're at caning, and I'm just like I'm buckling in. Well, that's the thing. That's a okay, that's actually what I really wanted to get to is that caning is critical for a peaceful <laughs> society. And I'm so sick of people saying otherwise about caning. This this week on Walt Lauren's reading, <laughs> The Power of Caning. When, when I see a police officer on the street, I want to see a cane in his hand. <laughs> otherwise, what's the fucking point? Might as well call the social worker. <laughs> absolutely okay no i'm not i'm not issuing any edicts on what is going to work when it comes to policing but in in singapore where they do cane, where they do where they do cane, they've experienced a lot of success and i'll leave that where it is okay oh my gosh okay all right so this is actually a lot of success (laughs) sorry it's just Okay, you know what? The stats are there, Chandler. It's the stats are stats. It's, it's data. Just, it's data. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is just this is just gonna get weirder and weirder. Okay. okay. You ready? So the study of testosterone actually has its roots, Chandler, in castration, because holy fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't read your notes on this episode before. Because there's just no proper way to prepare for this. This okay. This is this is a, this is going to be a winding road of a synopsis. It's been okay. Sharp left after sharp left. Yeah. Well, let's just say ancient cultures, without knowing what t- testosterone was, mm-hmm. understood that if you cut off a man's testicles, profound <laughs> <laughs> profound changes. This is so horrible. Why are we laughing about like no, a seriously like, dark medical procedure? I just think it's like. I'm just having like a moment where I'm like, we are the pop apologists. And I'm hearing you say, like, cut off a man's testicles. I'm just, it's, I love it. I love it. It's high low, baby. It's high low. Keep going. Keep it rolling. Okay. It's very sad. Castration is very sad. Yeah. We are not, we are, we are pro caning, not pro castration. (laughs) Let's get that really clear. Okay. Super clear. both C's, but not the same. Right. Okay. Um, okay. They understood that if you did that, profound yeah. changes would occur in appearance mm-hmm. and behavior. Okay. The same, you know, not. And these are these changes don't happen if you cut off a man's finger or part of his hair. You know. So yeah. So basically, they know. Okay, something. There's something going on down there. Um, Very astute. Yes, all of male secondary sex characteristics, large muscles, a deepened voice, Mm -hmm. facial and chest hair, a strong inclination to compete for female sexual partners, Mm -hmm. all of that, every single one can be avoided by castration before puberty. And ancient cultures knew this. Um, Yeah, yeah. One of the most famous examples of castration in ancient cultures is the aptly named castratee which are male european opera singers in the 18th century who had their testicles removed as kids in order to retain their yeah. high pitched soprano voices. Yes. Yes, I'm aware and of this. What's, okay. Yeah, so what's crazy is they would, you know, they they wanted to keep men in the choir because women were not allowed to sing in, mm-hmm. in churches. I don't even mm-hmm. think they were allowed which to go like in. You Serena Joy would agree with, right? Just Yeah, absolutely. In. Yeah. Keep women out of the churches, keep them out of the libraries. Um mm-hmm. Uh, no, um, I don't agree with that at all. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Just to be clear. Um, so there's all these famous instances throughout history of, of really, you know, cultures understanding that testosterone or something was happening down there. And when you removed the nether regions, part of them, um, yeah. profound changes occurred. Like, and can we get graphic for a second? Like the balls or the penis just the balls. testicles okay the testicles are what produce testosterone they didn't know this but they knew that if you removed them that first of all men they never develop the facial or chest hair Mm -hmm. they don't have the deepened voice they um they actually what's interesting is is they testosterone is what causes an initial growth spurt but it's also what causes growth to stop oh interesting yeah. So growth stops much more slowly if you don't have that testosterone. Okay. And so these men actually became taller than their oh, wow. their peers. Okay. Um. However, they had much more fat than their peers because they mm-hmm. never gained that male musculature, yeah. but they were taller. They had more fat. They had less muscle, smoother skin, mm-hmm. uh, and a full head of hair because testosterone is what causes baldness, which is yeah. why a lot of times like- you know, balder. I I think it's like why I think bald guys are hot. It's like they yeah. do seem like high on the T.
1: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Okay,
0: and of course they retained their angelic soprano voices, which was super powerful in conjunction with adult male lungs. Yeah. Um. So another big example of famous castrated people in history. This is real. This is so. I'm so this sorry, just, you guys. I didn't. This is pretty intense. This is just like yeah, sharp, sharp left. I was reading this and I was just like, wow, this is crazy. I can't wait to talk about this on the podcast. And now it's like coming out of my mouth and I'm like, and then and they removed the testicles were cut off. are the most famous people in history who have been castrated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On the Pop Apologist, brought to you by the Pop Apologist. Continue. I'd like okay. to hear. Um, so another famous group are the, the I think they're pronounced eunuchs in ancient Greece and Rome and in ancient China.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So I am going to read you a passage. Are you ready? I, I love that you also referring to that as a passage. <laughs> like a <laughs> scripture. Now, from the book of John. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. Go on, Serena. Okay. So Chinese dynasties relied on eunuchs to run many of the day-to-day operations of the government to guard the virginity of the women who would bear heirs to the throne. Love the to imper- see it. The imperial harems. And to serve the imperial family. Because they had special access to high ranking politicians and frequently had the ear of the rulers, the eunuchs possessed a great deal of knowledge about the inside workings of government. They were sources of gossip and advice and wielded significant political power. Why were eunuchs trusted with these duties while men who possessed testicles were not? George Dunn, an Englishman who spent many years living in China in the late 19th century, gave us the first comprehensive account of Chinese eunuch life. There can be no other motive in using them, he wrote, than the suspicion, distrust, and jealousy of Eastern potentates and others, basically jealousy of their fidelity of the wives and, and concubines, and the dread that if men were employed who were not eunuchs, that licentiousness and profligacy would run riot in their harems. So it was a way of essentially having male servants who were not a sexual threat in any way. Well, I've got two questions to ask you. One, should I start having Ben call me his imperial harem? (laughs) No, because that would mean you're more than one woman. A harem is like a harem of women. I I am every woman. You contain multitudes? I contain multitudes. Okay, so that's a no. Second, I think we should update the quote from dad to say, uh, uncastrated men will kill you every time. Yes, that's correct. Uncastrated men will fail you every time, 100%. Okay, I'm complaining. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Okay, so what he says is, "...the only men who would not pose a serious threat to the sexual and reproductive fidelity of the women in the imperial harem were those without testes, the sperm they produce, and a delivery system to transmit that sperm into a woman's body." And it didn't hurt that the lack of testosterone calmed or even eliminated sexual desire. The dynastic rulers needed strict reassurance that only their true biological descendants would be the royal heirs. The solution was to forbid outsiders with testes to come into contact Mm -hmm. with their precious virgins. I mean, this doesn't sound like a half-bad plan. If my daughter comes home and says I'm dating a eunuch, I'm going to say, you know what? He can go in your bedroom. I don't care. Totally. He's more than welcome to, you know, you can close the door even. Yeah, for sure. Total Mm -hmm. freedom. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Um, Okay. So this is actually what's super fascinating about this is um, men would voluntarily suffer through the agony of castration and the chance of death that it brought because – they were trying to escape poverty. So like even that harrowing journey and losing their masculinity in adulthood was worth it to get out of poverty and to just become like a royal servant. Yeah. So if you ever feel like applying for jobs on ZipRecruiter is a pain in the ass, just remember that at least you're not cutting off your balls and risking death for the ability to be someone's servant in a Chu dynasty. Oh my gosh. Nothing like a good old caste system maybe. Yeah, honestly. Okay, and this is the other thing I wanted to read. It's just one paragraph. And it basically talks about how, like, the actual procedure itself, like, going through that was, like – oh, it was, like, going through the eye of a needle, essentially. It's not going to feel good to hear. Okay. Okay, just listen to this. The patient is not allowed to drink anything for three days afterward, during which time he often suffers great agony, not only from thirst, but from intense pain and from the impossibility of relieving nature during that period. At the end of the three days, the bandage – I know. At the end of the three days, the bandage is taken off, the spigot is pulled out, and the sufferer obtains relief in the copious flow of urine, which spurts out like a fountain. why? This is a lot. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just medicine. Grow up, Chandler. It's the human body. Okay. So, but this was interesting because basically they, they plug it up for three days and then they release it. And if the, there's a flow, they're in the clear. So, this is what it says. If this takes place satisfactorily, the patient is considered satisfactorily the patient is considered out of danger and congratulated on, on it but if the unfortunate wretch cannot make water he is doomed to a death of agony for the passages have become swollen and nothing can save him <laughs> i'm so sorry why did what i share that today on the podcast why? <laughs> did you ever think this would be like great for our podcast i don't know i thought Your it was segment's canceled it is fascinating it would be fascinating like maybe it's more of like a you know a 30 second segment maybe 90 seconds talks like oh my god wait is there anything else well that's it for this week (laughs) oh my gosh Um, we're we're only through page like 35 of like a a 300 page book so um well um i'm gonna take this moment are you done can i recommend a book now i think I'm, i'm i'm done Thank you for that, Lauren. Um, You're welcome. I'm sorry to tell the listeners. Please don't, don't, don't leave us yet. We promise <laughs> we do better next week. Um, I would like to, okay, well. <laughs> She's speechless. I don't, Hugs. I'm trying to, I'm trying to pivot because I have a, I have a great book to recommend. Um, I don't think anyone's going to want to read this book after hearing your account, but okay. if you would like to read the book that I recently read while I was on the shores of Nantucket, it's a, if you liked East of Eden, it's a multi-generational story of ca- different characters in this family. All the characters are really well thought out. It's also just like, discusses like, you know, Korea and Japan in the 19th century and then the 20th century. And it's really lovely. It's called uh, Pachinko. Um, cool. And everyone should read it if they don't want to li- read something about castration. Yeah, there's no castration in this book whatsoever. I can promise you that. If you've got a a hankering for some good old fashioned talk of the tea and talk of castration, you can read Tea, the Story of Testosterone, the Hormone That Dominates and Divides Us by Carol Hooven. It just recently came out, you guys. (laughs) So we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. If people want more. If people want yeah. me to keep recapping this book, because the next segment that I wanted to discuss was about male and female differences in childhood, pre-puberty, mm-hmm. which is very yeah. interesting. Yeah. I think castration was just like a really uh, abrupt start.
1: <laughs>
0: I, <know. laughs> I should have eased us in. Honestly, anything would have felt like easier than that. But I now feel sick and I think I need to go. Baptism um, by fire, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, until next time. All right. It's been fun. Love you all. Very Thanks fun. for listening. And really quick, 30 seconds of thirst, please. If you like this podcast, if you want it to stay alive, we're literally just asking you to please share it with a friend. Tell them they need to listen to pop apologists. Send them an exact episode that you really yeah. like. And be like, hey, listen to, listen to this episode. You'll love it. And tell them why. I think that's critical. Don't just if recommend the pod. Send them an episode to listen to. If you've got friends and you're like, hey, you got to listen to this episode about castration. It's wild. It's crazy. <laughs> If you've ever been super curious about famous people who were castrated, here's the episode for you. Here's the podcast. It's called Pop Apologist. A hundred percent. Yeah. If you have any friends considering it, they can be fully informed and by listening right. to this podcast about making that medical choice mm-hmm. to retain their soprano voice right. with adult male lungs. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> okay. Let's That's been fun. Thanks Love for you. sticking with us. Bye. Bye.
1: I'm Emily Beerley, And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of The Therapy Group, and
0: hosts of the Shrink Chicks podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics,
1: relationships, and burnout. Making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psychobabble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but
0: don't know how. And work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever
1: you listen to your podcasts. Be sure
0: to follow along
1: and subscribe so you don't miss an episode.
0: Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself.